Bibles tonight, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It is nice to have Pastor back, and um, I was so excited. We got to the airport uh, Sunday night, and I saw he and Gary coming down the gangway, and I was very happy. I was thrilled. I was excited. I was like a little schoolboy uh, at Christmas time, and I uh, thought I'd preach my last sermon uh, Sunday morning, and uh, I had told him before he got back that if he if he didn't feel ready tonight, I, w- I would be prepared, but I lied to him because I wasn't prepared. And uh, Monday he sent me an email, and so I lied to him again. I told him, I'm ready to go, and I wasn't. <laughs> but I am ready now, hopefully. And, uh, but it is good to have Pastor and Gary back. Uh, I-, I have made a rule, though, guys, you can never both leave at the same time ever again. Um, you can only leave one at a time. Please pray for Hazel. Uh, as Pastor said, it hasn't really hit her yet. I was there today, and and uh, I don't think it's really dawned on her yet that, that Claude is really gone, and she's so frail. Please pray for her, and be, just do more than pray for her. Just be a blessing unto her. I know the Lord will strengthen all of us over the next couple of weeks so we can share our strength with her, and let's be uh, let's be brothers and sisters to to Hazel. Hazel has has uh, she has no family. Per se, Mac is, is, has strength right now. He has his four children rally around him, all his grandchildren. But uh, Claude and Hazel had one daughter, and she passed away. Their grandchildren live, uh, not, don't live close. And so uh, she told me today, it was so sad, she looked at me and said, I have no one. And I told her, I said, oh, you have more people than you think. So let's, uh, let's make sure that she feels that all the time. Um, I'm going to preach tonight, I shall rise again. And, and when I prepared this message Monday, I had no idea that we would look at losing another brother. Uh, I actually prepared this message with Easter in mind. And um, so stand with me, if you would, from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And let's read beginning at verse number 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Let's pray. Our Father, we come before you tonight. We thank you for your mercy and grace upon us. We praise your name, Father, that you loved us and that you've saved us. And Lord, we come tonight somewhat heavy-hearted at the loss of one of our dear brothers. But Father, we do know that he, just as all of us, shall rise again. And we will stand in your presence, and we will see you in your glory. And we will rejoice in that day. And never again shall we know pain or sorrow, shall we know heartache. Never again shall we weep, for you will be in our presence for all eternity. Thank you for this church that you've given us. I thank you for all those that have come tonight to hear the teaching of your word. I pray, Father, their time would not be wasted. Thank you for bringing our pastor and Gary, safely home to us. We long to, to fellowship with them again. And now, Holy Spirit of God, we yield ourselves unto you. 
and ask that you would teach us tonight, that you would instruct us, encourage us, and strengthen us from the Word of God. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I think of a beautiful song. The words go, The sky shall unfold, preparing his entrance. The stars shall applaud him with thunders of praise. The sweet light in his eyes shall enhance those awaiting. And we shall behold him then face to face. What a glorious day it will be. What a wonderful day it will be when we can look into the face of our Savior. When we can see the smile on his face. When we can rejoice in the truth and the knowledge that never again will we be separated from the Lord Jesus Christ. I would like to speak tonight with you concerning life. However, I do not wish to speak tonight about temporal life. I want to speak with you about true life, and that is eternal life. Easter Sunday is only, as we used to say in the military, three days and a wake up away. However, for the believer, every Sunday is a celebration of the resurrection of Christ. Every Lord's Day, every Sunday, we are reminded that Jesus rose from the grave, victorious over sin and death. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul writes in the third and fourth verses, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. In 1 Corinthians, same chapter, verse 55, he states, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? And for you and I tonight, children of God, believers, there is no death. There is no grave. Tonight, as I, this afternoon, as I sat with, with um, Hazel in her living room, uh, and we looked at, at the, 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 the corpse of, of Claude, the dead body of Claude, I told her, I said, he's not there. That's not him anymore. Claude never died. Claude never died. His body, his flesh died. But Claude, remember Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Claude didn't taste that death today. He went right into the, into the, into the presence of the king. And every Lord's Day, every Sunday, we are reminded that Jesus is coming again. Actually, he's coming two more times. I'm not sure if you know that. I'm pretty sure you all do, though. He's coming two more times. First, he's coming at the rapture. Here he is coming to receive all those who have believed in him unto salvation. Uh, We read just a moment ago in verses 16 and 17 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We will be reunited with all our loved ones who have gone on before us. I sat this week as Monday as I prepared this and thought about those that have gone on uh, from before us, and there are many, but a few of them came to my mind. And Brother Carlos is there waiting for us. Americo, he's on the other side with Carlos, and they're waiting for all of us. Willie is there. Evelyn is there. Frank is there. Lorraine is there. And now Claude is there. There there are many, many more there. 
but our corruptible bodies, these, these corruptible tents in which we dwell, will be changed into incorruptible bodies likened unto Christ. Paul tells us again in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. John tells us in 1 John chapter 3, the second verse, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And we must all be changed, every one of us. We must all uh, be changed. And I am so glad tonight, I am so glad that I am a part of this first return of Jesus. I am so glad that I will be a part of the rapture. And so you should be tonight as well. In Revelation chapter 20 and verse 6, John tells us, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. Oh, Claude died today, but he's not dying again. He has, doesn't have to face that second death, because he's a part of God's family. He's a a child of God, and so am I, and so are you, and we must rejoice in this tonight. The joy and knowledge of this truth should serve to motivate us to live this temporal life for Christ and unto his glory. In Philippians chapter 1, Paul tells us in verse 20 and 21, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And tonight, we should strive, we should be motivated to live our life for Christ and unto his glory. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, we read, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And Christ is coming again. First, he's coming for his church. He's coming to rapture children, his children to himself. But then second tonight, he's coming also at the second coming, when he will physically return to the earth and bring with him the wrath and judgment of God. In Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 4, we read, And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. If I'm not mistaken, I think just a few days ago, Pastor and Gary stood on that very mount, the Mount of Olives. And the Lord, when he returns physically, will put his feet on that mountain. And when he does, there's going to be quite a shaking and rattling take place. The Lord is coming again. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 19, if you would. Revelation chapter 19, let's all turn there. Revelation 
And let's begin reading at verse number 11, Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And Jesus is coming again the second time, and he's coming to bring with him the wrath and the judgment of God. And there is much that we could say tonight about all of this, and I'm sure over the coming weeks and months, Pastor will share many thoughts of this with us. But this evening, I'm not going to focus too much on this second second coming. I'm going to focus on the first of his two returns. That's the, that's the return that I'm speaking of tonight. I'd like to focus on the rapture of the church. Now, given the truth that you and I, if we truly are born again, will be taken off of this earth one way or the other, either by death or at the rapture, the question comes to my mind, why would one want to devote our affections to things of this world and not to the things of God? We become so wrapped up as Christians today with the things of, the, of, of this life, with things of this world, that we forget about that life that awaits us on the other side of this life. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 24 and 25, uh, we read, And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And Paul is saying, if we are in Christ, if we, if we are a child of God, then let us walk, let us live like children of God. It makes sense to me that we as God's children should seek to please the God of our salvation, not please the God of this present world. Paul writes again in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So this evening, I I would exhort each of us to live a life worthy of Christ. And as we strive to live a life worthy of our Lord and Savior, I would like to share two thoughts with each of us tonight as Easter approaches. First, I'd like for us to remember something. Number one, remember we are only pilgrims on this earth. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 and 14 We read, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, 
and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And we must remember tonight that we are only pilgrims on this earth. I'm reminded of the words of a song. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's golden shore, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. And we must remember that. This is not my home. This world is not my home. My home is in heaven. My home is in the presence of the King of kings and Lord of lords. This earth will be destroyed. This earth will be done away with. We best not set our affections on this earth, for God will destroy this earth and will create a new earth, and we will be a part of that new creation, a part of that new earth. Throughout Scripture, we see that the saints of God have realized this great truth, and this great truth has motivated them to live their life for God. We see examples such as Abraham, the father of the faithful, In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 10, we read, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And Abraham realized he was just a pilgrim on this earth. He didn't set his affections on earth. He set his affections on the Lord and obeyed him. And and as the scripture states, went to a place that he did not even know. Went by faith unto a land that God had promised, a place, that a, a city whose builder and maker was God. Jacob knew this truth. Jacob, the chosen of God. In Genesis chapter 47 and verse 9, we read, And Jacob said unto Pharaoh, The days of the years of my pilgrimage are an hundred and thirty years. Few and evil have the days of the years of my life been, and have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. And Jacob realized that his life on this earth was a pilgrimage. It wasn't going to all end here. You know, I'd be, I would be pretty saddened tonight if I believed the way the atheist believes, that when I die, it's all over. Life would be meaningless if that were true. Why in the world even be born if there's nothing to gain? But you know, life might end for the atheist, but it's not going to end for me. Because when I die, I'll be in the presence of the king. I'm a pilgrim on this earth. This earth is not my home. David knew this. David was a great man of God, the man after God's own heart. David realized he was just a pilgrim on this earth. In in Psalm 39 and verse 12, he writes, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear unto my cry. Hold not thy peace at my tears, for I am a stranger with thee and a sojourner as all my fathers were. And David realized that he's only here for a little while. And the things we do here are not to be compared to the things that God has for us. Oh, we must remember that. We live our life on this earth, and we must live this life uh, as a pilgrim. We We must live our life worthy of the Lord whom has called us unto salvation. Paul realized this. Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. 
In Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, Paul writes, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Paul tells us we should live in this life, a life that's befitting of Christ, for we are going to our heavenly home. He'd look for that blessed hope. Jesus declared this to be true. In John chapter 14, Jesus writes, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. So Christians, tonight, keep your eyes on home. And I'm not talking about 6580 Jade Court, which is where I abide. That's not my home. No, no. The Lord has a mansion for me. He has a home prepared for me. And he will come again. And he will receive me unto himself. And I'm just a pilgrim. And this life has no attraction to me. I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. I love our church. I love my wife. I love my children. That's the only thing holding me to this earth. Because I have a far greater life awaiting me on the other side of the Jordan. And we must remember, we must remember that we are pilgrims on this earth. Do, don't get too attached to the earth because you're not going to be here too much longer. Then we also need to remember this tonight. We must be diligent to prepare for Christ's return. Not only should we remember that we're pilgrims, but the knowledge of the fact that we're only pilgrims should cause us to be diligent to prepare for Christ's return. In Mark chapter 13, in verses 32 and 33, we read, But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. I'm reminded of the old adage tonight, out of sight, out of mind. It is so easy for us to forget about God, isn't it? We become so wrapped up in the issues of life. We have bills that have to be paid. There are health issues. Uh, marriage, children, grandchildren, in-laws. All these issues of life consume our minds and consume our strength. And so often, in the midst of all of these issues, we forget about God. We become so busy on our jobs. There are deadlines to be met. There are, there's peer pressure on the job to conform. There are threats of layoffs and cutbacks. And all these issues on the job consume our, our mind and consume our heart and cause us distress and grief, and we forget about God. We even become selfish in our own wants and desires. And in doing so, we forget about God. And with this, we forget that he is coming again. This is why Jesus compared his return with that of a thief in the night. 
In Matthew chapter 24, we read from verses 42 through 44, Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched, and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. And, and the Lord is, is basically telling us that just like a thief in the night, he is going to come and we will not be prepared. Listen, nobody's ready for a thief. Many, many years ago, I can't even remember what year it was, my wife and I returned one day from working in our Christian school. And when we walked through the door of the house and I opened the door, I looked over on the sofa and I saw a newspaper on my couch. And I thought, huh, that's odd. I don't get the paper. How did a newspaper get on my couch? And I walked over and grabbed the newspaper. And as I was approaching it, I thought, oh, I know what it is. Mom came in today and she, she cleaned the house for us. And she probably left us a paper. My mother was a, was a sweet woman. She would do that to help Patsy and I. And as I picked up the newspaper, huh, that's odd. There was a camera under the newspaper. And my mother didn't have a camera like that. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me what had happened. And we began to look around the house, and we found that many, many things were stolen. And what had happened was someone had come into our house and robbed us. Now, they were a nice thief. They left us a newspaper and a camera. But they took much more valuable items. But nobody likes to get, have their house broken in, and no one is expecting a thief. And you and I must prepare and be diligent to be ready for the coming of the Lord. For as a thief in the night, he will come. Oh, listen, people try to guard against thieves, don't they? We put locks on our doors and windows. We install alarms in our houses and cars. We've established neighborhood watches. And all of this to protect our material goods, treasures that the Lord himself declared as worthless. In Matthew chapter 6, he declares in verses 19 and 20, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Oh, listen, we must invest our time and efforts into heavenly heavenly things. We must invest our time and effort into things such as the Great Commission, telling men about about Christ. We must invest our time and and our efforts into teaching our children the truth of God. We must invest our time and efforts into tithing and serving in the local church. We must invest our time and efforts into prayer and, and scripture. We must invest our time and effort into love and compassion. These are treasures that rust does not corrupt, and thieves do not steal. And this is what we must invest our life in. Yet far too many Christians are careless in their preparations for the coming of the Lord. And this is not because we despise his coming. It's just because we forget about it. So since we know not when it will be, we should live every moment of every day with the realization that Jesus is coming again. And we should live every moment of every day with the intent of honoring and glorifying God with our life. I shall rise again. Oh, yes. This world is not my final home. I am just a pilgrim, just a a sojourner. So because I shall rise again, let me remember that, number one, I'm here to share. 
I'm here to share with all whom God sends into my life the glorious gospel of Christ. I am here to serve. I am here to serve you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, to help you bear your burdens and to love you with all my heart. I'm here to show. I'm here to show the love of Christ to all those that hate me and would hurt me because of my faith. I'm here to steer. I'm here to steer my children into the knowledge of Christ and to teach them of his wonder and grace. I'm here to submit. I'm here to submit and in so doing bring glory and honor unto the Lord. And one day my life on this earth will cease. I will die as it is appointed unto me to do. Or I will rise in the day of rapture. But either way, I am only a pilgrim on this earth. And I must prepare for that day. May God use this time we had tonight. This message, simple and, 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 and inadequate as it may be. May he use it to strengthen us, to build our faith, and to further our hope in Christ. Would you pray with me now? Father, thank you. Lord, I don't know where to begin. Over the past couple of weeks, Lord, you've brought me to the realization of the mortality of man. And Lord, I stand here tonight and I just don't know, I don't know what to say other than thank you. Thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for giving me a family of brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for blessing us with gifts and talents that we can share together to use to strengthen and build one another. And Lord, help us to set our affections on heavenly things, to set our hearts on you. Help us to remember that we're just pilgrims here. You've, only give, you've given us a job to do, but one day you're going to call us home. And Lord, what a glorious home it will be. So tonight we ask that you give us strength that you help us to be the children we should be, that we would be faithful to preach the gospel, faithful to love one another, faithful to give, faithful to serve, and faithful to give you the glory and honor. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you for this, for it's in Jesus' name that we live and that we rejoice tonight. And we pray in his name. Amen.